Good morning, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. I got some response. That was awesome. <laughs> wow, spring. Who's ready for some springtime? Yeah, we've been having it for about six or eight weeks, so it seems like, but uh, maybe it's the good old double portion. That'd be nice. Wonderful, wonderful to see all of you here. I believe the Lord has something good for us today. He doesn't most days, but I think today he does. <laughs> That's a joke. Sure he does. Awesome, Lord. We do have our dedication Sunday, April the 2nd, and um, our... Uh, our tradition has uh, been over the years to have one Sunday a year. We call it the Big Give, and we're going to do that on that same Sunday. And uh, Courtney talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, you, you know, we need to recognize, I, I think I need to in particular, just how blessed we are to be here in this building. Um there was there was no owner in the city of Charlotte that was interested in us having a church in any of their buildings. It seemed like, and and I I could tell some real estate guys about what was going on in Charlotte with real estate because I'd been in a hundred buildings over the last six or seven years looking. But the wonderful thing about being in this building is the owner loves us and has shown us remarkable remarkable favor. And that usually equals dollar signs. That's a good kind of favor. There's no bad kind of favor. But um, I had a meeting with him last week, and I showed him pictures of the kind of fence we want to put up, which is a combination. If you can see this, it's a uh, wood and wire. It, it really it looks pretty cool. I think everybody's going to be excited about it. If you're not, you're not. But um, <laughs> when I was telling him about it, uh, he said, well, what, what, what did you want? He wanted to know what I wanted him to do about the cost. And I said, well, nothing. You don't want a fence. We do. So that's my attitude. As a believer, I'm not looking for how to make everybody give me something. I'm looking to believe God for who it is and what, we, what we're doing here. And I said, you, didn't, you don't need a fence. You don't have any kids up there. We want one, so we'll pay for it. And he said, well, I want to pay for half of it. So we instantaneously got a little bit better fence than we probably would have had. <laughs> so pretty cool, huh? So we want to retire a little bit of debt, um, put that fence up, get the screens. You know, everything we're trying to do, we're trying to do for folks that are coming for their welfare and their benefit. And so if you don't have a big give envelope, you could... There one that's, one's in the lobby. I think we have some over here by my little area. Uh, pick one up after the service and ask the Lord how much or how little you he wants you to contribute. So it'll be cool. I'm, let me see. How long ago was it when I was speaking? Probably a, three weeks ago. It was really good. I can't remember what I was talking about. I remember it's good. No, it was tokens. Um I, uh, I'm going to do some review. That, that usually means I'm going to do the same message I did a couple of weeks ago. Aren't you lucky? 
Well, um, there is a verse of scripture. Oops, I've got to turn that off. Let me see. Let me go over here a couple of them. What's wrong here? Oh, uh, user error. I like this verse of scripture. Let's read this together. This was what Paul felt he should be all about when it comes to the gospel. Is that up on the screen? Okay. Why don't we stand up together? And don't say the numbers, just say the words. Four, I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Illyricum. Say, say with me, Illyricum. And that's a way to pronounce that. Once is good, twice is better. Let's read through this again and pay attention to what you're reading. Four, I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed, to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Okay, you can be seated. Now, what Paul was saying here was that to fully preach the gospel of Christ, to fully preach the gospel of Christ, there need to be signs and wonders that attend the message. And Paul took it a step further. He said he would only speak of those signs and wonders, which, by the way, make the Gentiles obedient. He would only speak of those signs and wonders that had been accomplished through him. He said, has not been accomplished through me in word and deed. And so Paul had experience with God. He had miraculous uh, situations in his life where God did remarkable, remarkable things. And so when he preached the gospel, he used not just those testimonies, but he also used demonstrations of the power of God, which made Gentiles obedient. There's been a huge battle over the supernatural when it comes to the gospel in, in America. And it's because if you can't do these things, you don't want to say they're possible. That's what it comes down to. And I'm not bragging. I'm just testifying. A couple of messages back, I gave 10 examples of life-changing prophetic words. And I gave six or eight examples of actual miracles that God had accomplished through me. And um, it needs to be part of who we are as believers. We need to expect big things. Now, we did this. I don't know how far I'm going to get with all this because I'm already thinking about talking about seven different things at the same time. Travis and I did a healing training on Saturday. We had a really good time. And one of the points Travis kept making, and um, I had already been considering to a certain degree because that's, we were looking at the same subject matter, which was healing, 
In the Bible, Jesus basically tells the disciples and the apostles, he says simply, heal the sick. Say that with me. Heal the sick. Here's what he never says. Ask God to heal the sick. What does that mean? It means that, do I heal the sick? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't heal the sick. Well, what are you, Robin, you're confusing. Well, you've got to understand what I do is believe that when Jesus died for our sins, he died for our sicknesses and that healing has already been provided. It's our job. It's not God's job to give it as much as it is our job to receive it or take it or release it or proclaim it. So search the Bible. Search the Bible. Jesus says over and over, that you need to basically proclaim healing, speak healing. Um, you have authority over your own body. You need to take authority over what confronts you in your life. You know, there's some things God says I've already done, and if you want it better, you're going to have to lay hold of what I've already done. I'm just not going to come. Let, let, me, let me go back. How does this make sense? Here's how it makes sense. How many of you got saved? Okay, let me ask you this. Did Jesus die for you the day you got saved? If that's true, raise your hand. You mean he didn't come and die for you the day you met him? No. What, what did he do? He did it years ago. Oh, oh, how was it that you came to experience newness of life or salvation, which actually entails healing? You believed. You heard the message of the gospel, and you believed. And when you believed, you were born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. What you, in essence, did was you took what was offered. Now, they probably led you through a sinner's prayer. That's the Billy Graham influence, and that's not a bad thing, obviously. But basically, the sinner's prayer is after you've acknowledged your need, you recognize there's a solution. You don't ask God to provide the solution. You receive by faith what that solution is, what's already been done for you. That's how it is you get healed. When you pray for the sick, you command it. You release it. You speak it. If you need it, you accept it. You take authority. You tell the enemy you have to back off, and healing begins to flow. kept looking for people. Now, I was thinking about um, Don Hardister. I've talked about this before, but I just feel like giving an example because this is, this is so amazing. Don's um, head of security of a local hospital. And part of what he does is he wrestles crazy people who come in the emergency room. If you're crazy and you don't know where to go, where do you go? You go to the hospital. And one of these people he wrestled because he was out of control and Don was trying to keep people from getting hurt, grabbed Don and threw him down. And when he threw him down, he hit, touch your eye socket right there, that bone. He hit that bone on the handle of the door in the room and it cracked it. 
And when it cracked it, his tears would no longer come out of his eyes. They would go down his sinus passages. And he lost control. <laughs> he lost control of, he, he lost his vision. He went down. That's not what I'm laughing about. I'm laughing about something else. I'm terrible to do this. I'm sorry, but his vision went from like 2016. That's better than 2020 to 2060 in that eye. And he was telling me that he would be looking at people every so often and the people would sort of be trying to figure which eye to look at <laughs> because one of his eyes was, you know, this left eye, I guess, was bearing down and the other one was wandering all around. And so the hospital told him that if he didn't have workers' comp, uh, his workers' comp policy, uh, if he didn't have an operation with workers' comp, the hospital couldn't, uh, wouldn't continue to cover uh, his eye anymore. And he told him he didn't, he didn't want to have work, workers' compensation. He, he was going to trust God. He, he was going to ask God to do something. So he called me on the phone and he was telling me all about this. He had just been down to the uh, part of the uh, hospital there where they check eyes. He had an eye doctor check his vision. Whenever that eye would come back to normal, he could have like 20, 60 vision. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just getting really tickled about that for some strange reason. If you knew Don, you'd be laughing too. So, so. <laughs> think of something real serious. My puppy died or something. I don't know. I never had a puppy that died, so that's okay. So I called him on the phone, and he was telling me all this. He'd just been down and had his eye checked. And I said, well, let's pray. Here's what I didn't do. I didn't say, dear Jesus, heal Don. I said, Don, let's agree together for your healing. So I spoke to his eye. I said, in the name of Jesus, we command your eye to be completely healed. And then we just kept praying like that for a little bit. Not long, probably a minute. And suddenly he said, I got to go. I got to go. And he hung up. And when I called him later, what happened was is we were, to say pray is, makes, makes you, it wasn't praying, we were proclaiming. We were laying hold of. We were speaking. We're taking authority uh, to release this healing that Jesus paid so dearly for. And so when we spoke, I found out later, his eyes suddenly gushed water. So much so that it covered his, completely covered his tie. He went right back down to that same eye doctor who was in the hospital. That same eye doctor checked his vision, and it was I don't think his vision was 2016, but I think it was back to 2020. He was completely whole, completely healed. That's wonderful. But that's what God wants to do. Well, I think he wants to do way more in a lot of different areas than, than, than we're aware of. Um, one, one of the ways he encourages us, I've talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is through tokens. And a token is a small part that represents the whole. It's an indicator. It's, um, for instance, if you give someone a gift, it's a token of your affection. It's not your entire affection. It's a token of it. The token, the small thing, represents a much larger, larger thing. 
Well, God speaks through tokens. God will give tangible proof of something much greater than what's been promised. That's what a token is. It implies that if the small thing exists, the larger thing exists. Does that make sense? If the token exists, the thing that the token speaks of, that's part of, it exists too. It's a smaller manifestation or of a larger promise. Um, now, here is the purpose for a token. The token is to give us faith for the fulfillment of the promise. Now, how many of you have had tokens in your life? How many of you have had interesting little things God has given you as a promise for something yet to come? How many of you have actually had these things? Well, the thing is, it's so important because if you miss the token, you may not actually have faith for the manifestation of that bigger thing. And this is one of the ways God's work. So I want us to draw attention to this. Now, Tokens can be small. They usually are. They might even be insignificant. But God gives the small thing for you to believe in so that for the larger thing you'll be able to believe for. So he gives you the little thing to believe in for the larger thing to believe for. Now, I've had a... Thank you, Shelly. Where have you been all my life? Shelly is the amen corner, ladies and gentlemen. She will lay hands on you. Well, here, my feeling is if I'm not earning amens, I don't want them. And I get them because I'm earning them. But some of these folks grew up the Catholic church, so they don't know about amen. <laughs> A charismaniac, I know that's right. Okay. No, it's not common to carry on conversations with a person in the congregation in the middle of the message. It can be quite disconcerting, even confusing. However, never let it be said. I started it. All right. Now, the reason I started thinking about these tokens, I heard another guy preaching on them. He had such amazing ones. And I remembered some of the ones I had. And I, and I, I talked about this baseball a couple weeks ago. This is um, one of... Uh, one of the one of the baseballs I hit out of the park in Little League, we had a fence, a field with a fence when I was in Little League over on Randolph Road. And um, when I was 12 years old, I was three for three in one game, and I hit three home runs, and the umpires gave me, uh, gave me the ball. And so um, I kept it, obviously. And a couple of weeks ago, I was awake in the night, and the Lord started speaking to me about that baseball. Now, the odd thing is I played baseball for 10 or 11 years, and I, I was good. I played on a city championship baseball team in 1969, and I had a college scholarship to play, so I was good at it, but I only hit three home runs in 11 years. And I hit all of them in one game. And so the Lord's talking to me about it. He, he was basically telling me, that's a token. Well, I was saying, Lord, a token of what? I don't play baseball anymore. It's a token that God can do any unbelievable thing 
in our lives, he wants to at any time. How do you hit three home runs in one game? I didn't know how to hit one. How do you suddenly hit three? It didn't make any sense. When I hit those three, I can remember that afternoon, I thought, man, I'm going to tear it up now. Not so. Not so. But we need to believe that God can do things through us and in us that he has never done before. We live too much in the rearview mirror. John Mark was telling me the other day, examples, I won't go into them, they're his, but examples down through his life when he would ask for remarkable, almost unbelievable things, and God would do them. Do you ask based on your human reason, or do you ask based on the greatness of God? I mean, I hate to say it, but I did not have $300,000 faith to get in this building. I had $150,000 faith. If somebody told me it's going to be over $300,000, I think I'd just given up and gone to selling cars or something. But what's $300,000 if you're in the will of God? It's really nothing. It's not that much money, honestly, unless you don't have any. But we need to believe for big things. We really do. We need, not that they will happen to somebody else, but they happen to me. Say me. Me. You're me. I'm mine, me. You're me. God, do something extraordinary through me. Let's say that together. God, do something extraordinary through me. Beyond my imagination. Huge. Massive. Cause it to be so big. People who know me will know God had to have done it. Leonard was telling me, now I'm going to tell you a miracle's got zero to do with me, but it's too good just to pass up. Leonard Jones' brother-in-law, Rick Rick Williams has fallen off the roofs twice in construction and was on disability. And Leonard was telling me that he would come to the house, he would creep slowly in, and then he would sit down in agony and try to find a comfortable place and then just sort of relax because the pain of walking was over. Now it was just the pain of sitting. And, and I've, I've known, uh, I guess I met, I met Rick right about the time I met Leonard. I've known Leonard for close to 30 years. He was in terrible shape. Well, he, his, first of all, his wife had prayed for him, prayed and fasted for 40 days, which is an amazing thing all by itself. She had several different fasts she did over a 40 day period. But then Rick was in a meeting up in the mountains when a guy prayed for him. And guess what happened when the guy prayed for him? Nothing based on what he felt. Nothing. He walks over to his seat. Leonard, correct me if I'm getting this wrong. He sits down, and suddenly he hears a loud pop, which was in his knee. And he was completely 
healed. Completely healed. He was run around the block healed. He was healed. Six years he'd been in that shape. Isn't that right, Leonard? Six years of agony. He got completely healed. There's nothing. Listen, guess what happened to me the minute I heard about that testimony? My knee swole up. <laughs> Bad evidence of the healing that my knee's going through. So you, you, you have to fight for some of these things, ladies and gentlemen. You don't just take it laying down. You do whatever you have to do to get your miracle. You claim, you confess, you pray, you rebuke, but you, you need to be aggressive in your own restoration. You really do. You really do. And so I started getting aggressive and I started hurting more. And I thought, this is God. This is the evidence. Listen, people want these powerful prophetic words. Guess who does not want a powerful prophetic word? Me. I do not want a powerful, prophetic, accurate word about something marvelous that's going to happen in the future because I know God gives those words because you're going to have to go through hell and half of Georgia to see that thing happen. And he gave you that word because of how hard that thing's going to be getting there. Well, you, I'm just telling you, you have to understand how these things work. When you get a powerful promise, it is normative for the opposite to start kicking in gear to try to threaten and back you down and getting you to accuse God and getting you to blame somebody instead of saying, this does not matter. By his stripes, I have been healed. I'm standing, I'm laying hold of this, and people can say anything they want to me about how crazy I've gotten. It's better than doing nothing. So what does that home run ball mean? Well, some of you lost hope that God will do the impossible for you. God will do the impossible for you. God will do the impossible for you. He will do it when? I don't know. Fight the good fight of faith. We need some great testimonies up in here. We're getting testimonies. I'm laying seed. I'm sowing seed of testimony this morning. There are going to be things that happen in this church over the next six months that are good things that are going to be remarkable, surprising, praiseworthy, amazing things that glorify God. God's going to touch your life. God's going to move in your life. God's going to fix your marriage. God's going to fix your family. God's going to fix your old sorry disposition. God's going to touch your life. But he usually doesn't do any of those things unless you agree with him. Why? Why won't God, because he loves us, just take care of everything whether we ask him or not? Well, some of that he does. It's because he won't violate your will. Free will is so important to the Lord. There's no true love without free will. You can't love God. You can't devote yourself to God without it being a choice. He will not jump in the middle of your life unless you ask him to. 
How many of you have situations God needs to jump into right now? Let's stand up. Let's pray. Let's pray through this. Hold hands with somebody that you're compatible with. Father, we invite you into these areas. I don't know what your area is. Why don't you tell the Lord what that area is? Just start praying. Invite him. Speak to him. Jesus, come in. Father, come in. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, come in. I invite you. Be bold. Bark. (laughs) That's not right, but speak it out. (laughs) Speak it out. If once is good, twice is better. Come on. Come on. Come on. Breakthrough. 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 Season of breakthrough. Year of breakthrough. Decade of breakthrough. Quarter century of American breakthrough. Breakthrough. Transformation. Transformation of the city. Transformation of the state. Transformation of the nation. Starts with the transformation of your life. Power, come. Answer, come. We agree. We agree with the answer. We don't agree with the problem. We agree with the answer. We lay hold of the plan of God. We lay hold of, of the benefit of the resurrection of Jesus. Right now. Right now. Right now. Okay, let's do this. One, one of the things you need to have is perseverance. One of the things we, I remembered in teaching about healing, John Wimber prayed for a 1,000 people before anybody started getting healed. I was reading about Ken Hagen, and, and he would pray the prayers of Paul. He, he prayed that prayer, uh, the one in Ephesians, uh, I believe it's in chapter 1, where he says, um, I give thanks for you daily, praying that... Uh, God would re- uh, reveal. Oh, let me uh, let me read it. This is better. I'm not quoting good here. My quote just got a little malfunction in it. I think I heard somebody snort over there on the left. Do not give. Th- Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. There is so much more to God. We are surface scratchers. Ken Hagen prayed that prayer a thousand times before God answered it. Now, I'm not saying everything takes a thousand attempts. I'm just saying this. Don't quit. I, I, I've been saved over 40 years, and I come up and tell my testimonies, and it can be discouraging to some of you because you think that never happens to me. I'm talking about the last 40 years. It should encourage you, but you, you have to stake out your situation. You you have to stop backing up and take by faith what God has for you. 
You really do. You have to fight the good fight of faith. And the only good fight I have ever been in is one I won. And so our faith is a good fight. It's because we're fighting from victory, not for it. We're not fighting for a healing. We're fighting to lay hold of the healing provided. You don't have to be good and being bad won't keep you from getting healed. It's a grace gift from God. Okay, now let's read this verse together. This is an awesome verse. Now, what's that first word? Now. When, when, when should this all happen? Now. To him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Come on, let's do that again. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Another place Paul says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let this word live in you. Now, Paul is offering praise to him who is able to do what? Something exceeding? Well, no. Something abundant? No. Something exceeding? Abundant? No. Exceedingly, abundantly, above whatever you imagine or think. According to what? The power that works in the Apostle Paul. Not even the power that works in God. According to the power that works in us. Because the power of God is in us. Okay, I didn't really get to my message today. The part I was going to get to. I'll keep trying. But I do want to do this. John Mark's going to speak, a share. Um, hello. I, um, when I was sitting here, I, I had this thought. Is anyone familiar with the concept of the black swan, the black swan concept? I think it was also a movie. I didn't see the movie, so I don't know if it has anything to do with the movie or not. But this, the concept of the black swan is people didn't used to believe that black swans existed, so the black swan was something... You know, that was uh, when you talked about the black swan, you talked about something that didn't exist. Then they discovered that the black swan did exist. So then now they use the term black swan for something you don't believe can actually happen, but actually can. So, for instance, it can be used in the positive or negative. 9-11 was an example of a black swan. If you knew 9-11 was going to happen, you couldn't have prevented it because no one would have believed you if you had told them. Because it was so out of left field, no one would have believed it. You know, another way you can apply the, the concept of the black swan, if we took an average of everyone's income in this room, we take an average, you'd have that average, it'd give you a good idea of what the income is for people in this room. If Bill Gates walked in the room and sat down, he would skew that average so high that it wouldn't even be close, right? That's the black swan. Well, I, in my life, the Lord has done many things that I couldn't have even prayed for, because they're so good and so out of the ordinary 
that when they happened, it absolutely, totally skewed my idea of what God could do. And we have, our idea of what God can do is about this small. And you cannot even pray, you cannot even imagine the things God wants to do for you. And this doesn't mean that bad things don't happen. It doesn't mean that God's going to fix everything in your life. But God wants to do things for you that are so much better than you want for yourself. And if I, I don't know how to even say this because I don't think it's something I can intellectually impart to you. God's done things in my life that I can't even share with you because you wouldn't believe me if I told you. You wouldn't even believe if I told you. And I was just sitting here thinking that um, I was just feeling this manifestation of faith. That the Lord is going to do things in your life. Some of it's in business. Some of it's in the supernatural. Some of it's very practical. But the Lord is going to do things for you that is so much better than you would have wished for yourself that it's going to totally change and skew your idea of who God is. Your idea of God is so small right now. I don't mean because you have a small mind. I mean because we have such a small concept for who God is. And so I'm not even going to pray for that. I feel like this is more of a proclamation. Is that you, I don't even know that you can prepare for this. I just want to speak it over you. That your spirit would be prepared for a black swan type event in your life. That would skew and totally change the way you see God in the whole world. It would totally change your context for who God is, for who you are, and for what the world is. So right now, Lord, I just say that over these people that I love over my own life. And we just sit here in excited anticipation. Lord, we do not trade faith for certainty, Lord. We don't know what it is. All we know is that it's going to be good. Whatever it is you have for us is going to be good, Lord. And we ask for a moment, Lord, that we could just meditate on this idea that the ordinary life, we're thankful for our ordinary lives. That our ordinary lives are even better than we know. And we're thankful for those. We're also thankful for the imagination that you have over our lives. And for the things that you imagine for us that's greater than the things that we imagine for ourselves, Lord. And maybe some of this means laying our own dreams aside because our own dreams are too small. And maybe our own dreams are too, are too much of a distraction because you actually have something better. And you know what we want and need more than what we want and need, Lord. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Yeah. You know, God wants to do very practical things in your life. And he wants to do some very impractical things in your life. It's not, it's not sort of one or the other. God wants us to be formed through discipline. And he also wants to form us through things that we can't do. Practical is spiritual and spiritual is practical. But we don't need to trade one for the other. We can have both. We can have both. 
in my life, I've worked really hard for things and I've earned them, and that's been very satisfying. But the best things that have ever happened to me have all been surprises and things that I could have engineered. The Lord has both of those things for you. Yeah. We're just going to sit in it a little bit. Is that okay? I'm just soaking in a little bit. <laughs> Just meditate on it a little bit. Ray Hughes said something recently. Uh, he said, if you don't know how to meditate, he's like, think of it this way. You know how to worry, right? Meditation is worry in reverse, all right? So <laughs> sit here and imagine things opposite of worry. Sit here for a second and imagine and soak in the goodness. I feel like there's some of you really are getting that healing you've been after right now. Just agree with it. Because the presence of the Lord's here and he's touching you. So Lord, we just agree with you for the healing. Lord, we've laid hold of it by faith. And you said, whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have whatsoever you say. So Lord, we know the having comes after the receiving and the believing. Let that come now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. We do have teams that will pray for you today if you need prayer. And uh, we're going to develop a little bit better system for getting people prayed for so that you uh, know about how long it will take. So what we're doing now, until further notice, just come on up front here. And if you'll stand right here, we have a team that will... Uh, communicate with you and be glad to agree with you for your health, for your healing, or they could have prophetic ministry. They may have some encouragement from the Lord, but we just welcome any of you to come up, number one. Number two, um, Blake is going to be by the basically the other front door. Is that right, Blake? Outside the children's area. So you go towards the bathrooms and turn left if you've never been down that way. Please go by and uh, answer that one question for Blake. And what was that question again, Blake? I think it was complicated. How did it go? To me, Queen City Church means... Okie doke. And Friday night, what we hope to do is we have no idea what will happen meetings that will be geared towards getting in touch with God in meaningful, meaningful, encouraging, life-changing ways. So Andy's working on some worship, and uh, we're just going to see how all of this works. We're doing some experimenting. So if this is something you're really interested in and really want, if you support it, we'll keep doing them. If you don't, we're good. i got plenty to do, uh, but that'll be okay as well. So happy spring. Have a great week. You may be dismissed. <laughs>